Well, we've got uh, two more weeks through the book of Proverbs. And so this morning, if you want to, you can turn to Proverbs chapter 18. We're actually gonna look at one verse in Proverbs chapter 18, but I think it would be worthwhile underlining if you have your Bible. Um, Before we got into the sermon series, like I usually do, I went ahead and started reading through the Proverbs on my own. I was like, all right, Lord, what are the ones that you want us to land on? And I was amazed, and maybe it was just the Lord trying to speak to me specifically, but over and over and over, I, I feel like I kept seeing and running into places that talked about the power and the importance of our words. And it would always kind of... Um, Uh, compare the righteous and the fool and how they talk and what they talk about. In fact, there are over 30 places in the 31 Proverbs that talk specifically about the power and the purpose of our words. And so Proverbs 18, 21, I think, surmises the importance of all of that. And here's what it says. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know, even this week, I begin to think through what are the places in my life that I can remember where either death or life was spoken into my own life. And and it it was kind of crazy to me. I'm, I'm sure you can do the same thing. Like, I would imagine you have moments in your life that you can think back to and you know the circumstance, you know the person, and you can remember the words that were spoken to you all the way back to like when I was a kid, I can remember moments where it was like, hey, life was spoken into me and it empowered me and it strengthened me to walk forward. But I also remember plenty of times where there was what seemed like death being spoken into my life and it had its effect on me. I'm sure each of us can remember these moments. Right? We can attest to the fact that death and life lie in the power of the tongue. I even think about my own kids right now. It's amazing to me that like those moments that I, I, I've spoken in anger to my kids, they don't forget that, right? Like there was death in that moment spoken and it stays with them. And, I, and they also take in those moments that I've spoken life into them and sent them on their way to try to be encouraged and strengthened. And this morning, even as, we, even as we just sung this song, right, my hope secured by what? Your word. Your word my hope secures. Jesus knew the power of his words. He's spoken the gospel into us. It is what has brought life or death, depending on where you fall in your walk with him. On average, they say that the average person speaks 6,000 to 16,000 words a day. 6,000 to 16,000 words a day. And I thought even for myself, yesterday, for you, yesterday, can, can you look back and remember, hey, here, here's, here's what I was doing with my words yesterday. Here's areas of life and here's areas of death. Probably, if we're honest, you're kinda like me and you don't think much at all about what you said yesterday. Like, we, we just throw out words. And what we're gonna find this morning is, man, Scripture is In fact, Proverbs is just scratching the surface of how God begins to talk to you and I about the importance of our words. And here's the two things that I think he's trying to teach us this morning. One, I believe that the the words that we speak are, are a way, are a litmus test of what's going on in our heart, right? They begin to show is there life or death inside of our heart. And then also I believe that the words that we say provide life and death for others. And so 
as we go through really what's gonna feel like kind of a shotgun approach to a lot of different things in scripture that talk about how we use our words and what that means, I hope that it's encouraging, but here's what this sermon is actually not about. This sermon is not about you going home and figuring out how to talk better. It's not about you going home and trying to figure out how to sound more like a Christian. What this is going to reveal to us is there's this connection between what comes out of our mouth and our heart. And God is massively concerned with our heart this morning. What he's trying to do in you and I, I believe through the scriptures that speak to how we speak, is show us the places that we still have not surrendered our heart over to him. And so I wanna begin with Matthew chapter 12, verse 33 and 37. I know you're in Proverbs. Why don't you turn quickly to Matthew chapter 12 um, because I want you to see if anybody's gonna be the expert on the power of the tongue and what, what, what our words mean and could mean for us It's Jesus. And so starting in verse 33, what he's doing is he's addressing some people and he's he's comparing two types of people to a tree. He's like, hey, you're either in me, you're a good tree, or you're not in me and you're a bad tree. And what he's gonna talk about is that these trees produce fruit that prove whether or not you're in the Lord or not in the Lord. And he compares it all to how we speak. And so Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 33, here's what he says. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. So he's going, look, there's only two categories of men and women. Good tree, bad tree. And a good tree cannot produce bad fruit and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. 34, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart The mouth speaks. Some of y'all's Bibles may say, from the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks. What is inside of our heart is what's going to eventually come out of our mouths. 35, the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. That's That's a heavy line. On the day of judgment, every person is gonna give an account. You and I are gonna stand before the Lord and for every careless word of our six to 16,000 that come out of our mouth, he's gonna go, tell me why you did this. Tell me why this is something you said. Tell me why you handled this situation this way. Why is this the advice that you gave? Why was this the words that came out in this particular scenario? You and I will be judged according to our words, which is pretty weighty. And then he finishes in 37 by saying this. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Now we've talked about what does the word justification mean? This is the idea of God declaring over you that you are holy and righteous when you put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus as your savior. So now what this is saying is literally this idea of salvation, this idea of justification, your words are gonna prove whether or not that's true of you. And what we say in the end is going to either prove that we are in Christ, we are a good tree that produces good fruit, or we are not a part of him. And in the end, our destination is separated from him in hell. Our words bear weight. Now, what this is not saying is that your words save you, right? We know Jesus saves, but he's, he, what Jesus is getting at is our heart and our words are so intertwined that it will reveal to us whether or not we are in Christ, 
And so there's kind of four takeaways from this thing, and, and then we're going to just, I'm going to just kind of like unload scripture on you of, uh, that kind of falls in these four categories that Jesus is speaking to. But here's the four things that we can take away from this particular section. One, a good tree will produce good fruit, and a bad tree will produce bad fruit. It's simple. There's no in-between. There's no straddling the fence. Number two, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You and I can dress up our talk for a while, but if we will talk long enough, the overflow of our hearts will come out. Number three, you and I will give an account to God for every careless word that we have spoken. And four, our words show that we, what we believe about Christ, so they will show whether we are of Christ or not. Those are kind of the four things that Jesus lays out to us. He says, our words are so weighty, life and death live in the tongue in such a way that it's gonna show these things. And so first I wanna begin by this idea then, if we are in Christ, we are producing good fruit, right? If you're in Jesus, hopefully you're a good tree, how do you get there? It's this idea that when the Spirit of God comes and lives in you and I, as believers, it just begins to produce fruit in us, right? The fruit of the Spirit. This idea of abiding in Jesus will just automatically begin to replicate in us new things that we were not doing prior. And I think you can probably attest to that, right? As you look at your own life, that moment that you begin to follow Jesus, just there was things that changed. Even if you were a quote unquote really good person, really moral person, things change in us when the Spirit hits our heart, right? For some people that have like crazy testimonies, we're going, man, it's easy to see. But even if you don't have a crazy testimony, you weren't off in some deep stuff, you came to Jesus, things begin to change. Why? Because you became a good tree that produced good fruit. And if I, if I had to guess, some of the things you talked about begin to change as well. James 3, verse two, it kind of talks to this idea of why our words are a reflection of the Spirit of God doing something that only it can do in us. James 3, verse two says this, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anybody does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. What this is saying is our, our mouth is so connected to our heart and our heart is so wicked outside of Jesus that no one's really able to bridle the tongue. If there's anything in us that's coming out that's godly in the way we speak, it's because the Spirit has come and transformed us. It's proof that we know Jesus. The next thing is this, our words reveal our heart and our heart is always going to reveal what we actually believe. Our words reveal our heart, and our heart is revealing what we actually believe. We may have some knowledge up here, but what comes out of our mouth is pouring out of our heart, and that's what we actually believe when the rubber hits the road. James 1, James had a lot to say about words. James 1, verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religious religion is worthless. And it's this idea that James is painting for you and I that the outward appearance may look really religious, but if we give you enough time, we're gonna see what comes out of your heart through your mouth, and really that's gonna dictate how you live your life when things get hard. 
Our words and our heart are directly tied together. It is the litmus test for our faith. And here's what I think we begin to see. I believe that our faith is most put on display when God begins to press us a little bit, right? When he allows us to get into some situations that are difficult, that are stressful, or when he allows some people to come against you, or maybe you've got something going on in your family where you're like, man, I don't think this is fair. And when that pressing begins to happen, what are the words that come out of our mouths? Man, what are the things that you begin to say when things are really hard? Is, is it natural all of a sudden that you begin to, to declare some of these promises that you, we just sang about? Right, my hope's secure that he's given me these promises. His word has given us promises. And as we begin to get pressed, our, our first inclination then is to begin to go, hey, here's what's in my heart, that God is for me. He is with me. He won't abandon me. Or do we fall into places where we go, hey, this isn't, this isn't fair. This isn't right. I worked so hard. Why is this going this way? I've done all these things. Why is life this way? This person has no right to treat me this way. It begins to show what is the love of God done in our heart? Does it reside in our heart? James tells us about this in chapter three, verses three through eight. He begins to talk about how our, our, our tongue is so powerful that in the end it will really direct every bit of who we are because it's tied to our heart. Look what he says in three, James three, verses three through eight. Now if we put the bits into the horse's mouth, so that they will obey us, we direct the entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and driven by strong winds and are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. He goes, look, we, we can look at this, this strong horse that is this majestic and strong beast that we couldn't in our mind probably subdue if we try to put our arms around it and tell it where to go. And yet we put this little baby bit in its mouth and we can turn its head and make it do whatever we want. He says, look at these gigantic ships on the ocean. In relation, they have this small piece of metal on the back and even in a great storm, this piece of metal will direct that gigantic ship. And so he continues, he said, this is, this is like our, our tongue. Verse five, so also the tongue is a small part of the body and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and it sets on fire by hell. For every species of uh, beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil and full of deadly poison. If our words are so intertwined with our heart and our heart is being moved by what we really believe, right? Because in the end, we can have reason but when emotions kick in from our heart, doesn't matter anymore. Reason is out the window and our, our emotions are what are gonna drive us most of the time because that at our core is what we really believe. 
And scripture's saying, hey, listen, you are so tied into that with your mouth. What you speak is just showing that. It is, it is a, a, just pulling the curtain back of what our heart really believes. It, it, it's this idea that those six to 16,000 words that happened yesterday and the day before that and the day before that in the private place, in the workplace, what do they reveal about our heart? Because we come together as the church this morning and we're declaring, God, you are number one in my life. You are the greatest thing that has happened to me. But scripture would teach us that our mouth begins to show us actually what is greatest in our heart. And that's why I think salvation, look, salvation comes through the word. It does have the power of life for you and I. We talked about this last week, the idea of confession and repentance, that those moments that we come and we, we confess with our mouth, well, Jesus, we want you to save us. We want you to forgive us of our sins. We want you to be the Lord of our life. It's, it's so directed by our heart that we're also repenting, turning to him, a change of direction that we're saved. Life is found in the power of the tongue. But I also believe that part of that is found in, in the professing of Jesus. Part of what we believe is found in the professing of Jesus. And here's what I mean by that. One of my favorite stories in Acts is this moment. right? If y'all remember, you got Peter, who denies that he even knows Jesus to a little girl. And then, and then he, in my mind, gets saved. Like, Spirit of God comes on that dude at Pentecost. He stands up, starts preaching. And some of the language they use in Acts is like the world is being turned upside down by these men. And this council brings Peter and John before them. This council that can put them in jail, that probably could end their life. And they look at Peter and they say, I, I want you to stop speaking about Jesus. Stop proclaiming who he is. It's going to end terrible for you if you continue on this path of telling people about this Jesus of Nazareth. And his response is something only the Spirit of God can do. Here's what he says in Acts 4.12. He says, we cannot but speak of what we've seen and what we've heard. Peter's words are giving us a picture of what's happening in his heart. He says, man, I, I've, I've been so wrecked by my encounter with the living God that no matter what you say to me, I will never stop speaking about what I've seen and what I've heard. I can't. We see this throughout the Gospels. There's these moments Jesus does something amazing, does a miracle, and then literally for a long time, he's telling people, don't tell anybody about this. He's like, my time's not here yet. I don't want people to know what I'm about to do. Just, just be quiet. Now, I'll give you one of, the, one, of, one of these examples. In Mark chapter seven, verses 35 through 37, he, he heals a guy that's deaf and can't speak. I'm sorry, yes, yeah. In 35, here's what it says, Mark 7, 35. It says, and his ears were opened and his tongue was released and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Jesus does something amazing. These people are so radically transformed by this moment. And Jesus goes, I don't want you to tell anybody. Don't speak of this. And they're like, the more he tells us not to do this, the more zealous we are about telling people because this is crazy. This is transformative. And what's amazing to me, church, is 2 Corinthians 5 says that 
that Christ is making an appeal to the world through us, that we're his ambassadors, right? That he's, he's said, hey, look, I'm gonna save you, I'm gonna send you out, and literally the way you speak and the way you live your life should be something that people go, I want Jesus. He says, I'm sending you out as my ambassadors. We get these commands throughout scripture now as his believers to, to proclaim who he is. He's like, man, go tell everybody. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. You're, you're, you confess and you lift up your hands on Sundays and you say, this is, this is the most meaningful thing in my life. Go tell the world, which is a natural thing that we do as people. And yet, isn't it funny that maybe possibly for a lot of us, we stay silent. And I'm not saying that sharing your faith makes you a Christian, proves you're a Christian, but I'll tell you this, it, 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 at a minimum, shows whether or not our heart is matching what we're saying on Sunday mornings. Right? I, I get excited about the most stupid things in the world, and I'm, I'm literally thinking, who can I call that would appreciate this thing? Because I gotta celebrate with somebody. And yet I'm going, man, this, the savior of the world ran me down in my sin as his enemy and saved me. And I can remain completely silent about that. Our words and our heart are directly tied. And I'm just telling you, what comes out of our mouth tomorrow will show what's most important in our heart today. And so he continues on and he says, how we speak to and about others, I believe also reveals whether or not we're a good tree. How we speak to and about others reveals our salvation. James 3, 9 through 10, look what he says. He says, with it we bless our Lord, our, our tongue. We bless our Lord and our Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be this way. Over and over again, Scripture talks about how we love one another how we speak about other people, how we speak to other people reveals whether or not the kindness of God has transformed us. What comes out of your mouth about other people when they are not around shows whether or not Jesus has a hold of your heart or not. How you speak into other believers' lives shows whether or not the kindness and the goodness of God has wrecked your life and changed you forever. And so James says, there's, there's no way. Like, how? How could we be a people that come and we sing of the glory of God and then we curse people made in his image? He says, look to Jesus. And look at how Christ talked to people, the very people that were gonna put him to death. Now look, speaking life into people does not always mean it's just like nice, kind words. That, that doesn't necessarily equate to life-giving words. But what we saw is Jesus, sometimes firm, but always in love, speaking life into people, even his enemy. And so what does that look like for you and I? I think the word that comes to my mind is discernment. The Spirit of God gives you and I discernment. Look, I'm a pastor, been in ministry a long time. I'm just a normal dude trying to love Jesus. I'm just a guy. <laughs> like I'm just a guy that loves Jesus. He said, I want you to be a pastor. No different than you. 
He just told you to go do, do that somewhere else. And so when people come as a pastor and sit with me and they begin to, to look at me and go, I, I need a word from the Lord. I'm about to unpack some stuff that's going on in my life, super difficult, really need some wisdom. There's a side of me that's like, I have nothing to give you. <laughs> I'm just a dude, just like you. And so I, I, I've gotten into this practice for years that when I'm sitting with somebody or I'm on the phone with somebody, I know that my words matter. I know that within my tongue there is life and death, just the same as you. And so as people are speaking to me, I'm praying and I'm going, God, man, these people need to hear from you, not me. They don't need wisdom. They don't need uh, good advice. They, they need to hear from you because you have the words of life. Please speak through me. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. But here's what I can tell you. There are moments, I believe, that we, we have innocent intentions and yet we are speaking death into people because we're not using discernment. We're not actually hearing from the Lord. We're just going with what feels right in our head or in our heart and it spews out of us. And even with the best intentions, we sit with people and we might lead them down a path of death. And God has the words of life and his spirit abides in you. And he says, if you are my tree, I'm going to produce in you good fruit and that will come out of what you speak if you will practice words of discernment like Jesus. I think so often the things that get in our way when we're trying to speak to others and we wanna give good, sound advice and we wanna send them on their way and good things, there's moments where pride, fear, I think having ears that aren't listening in that moment to the spirit of God and the practical and not the spiritual get in the way far too often. And can I tell you this too, church? You need somebody around you that's gonna speak life as well. Not the practical, not what makes sense, not the things telling you what you need to hear. Man, look at Jesus. How often did Jesus come and speak hard things to people? That, that is not naturally in us. It, it is not in you and I to speak hard things into people. And yet there's moments where the word of God is difficult, but it brings life. And so you and I have to be people that are discerning and listening to what God has for us. You want, you want your kids to be successful? Have discernment and speak, speak spiritual things into them. You, you want your household to flourish? Have discernment and speak spiritual things. And sometimes they look completely opposite of the things that are practical. God desires to do that in and through us if we will use discernment and listen. Moments to encourage, moments to speak biblical truth, moments to speak hard truth. And why is this important? It goes back to what Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36. I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an account for in the day of judgment. Every single word, we have the moment and the opportunity to speak Life, not death. And so we have to give an account for that. He's like, I put my spirit in you. You have the ability to do it. And so now we're gonna take time to assess how is that going at the end of your days. I love what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. He wrote a lot of the Proverbs, and so it's kind of the same idea. Here's what he said, and I think probably having that idea that every word matters. Ecclesiastes 5, 2 through 3, he says, be not rash with your mouth. 
nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few, for a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. The, the ending of that shows up in Proverbs all the time. Uh, I'm gonna paraphrase some of this, but there, there's multiple places in Proverbs where it's like, hey, look, just let somebody talk long enough and you'll find out they're a fool. <laughs> like, you, you get to see someone's heart if you just give them enough room to talk for a while. And then he goes on, there's one of my favorite is, he says this, he says, so even if you're a fool, just don't talk much and people are gonna think you look wise. I'm <laughs> like, at a minimum, just be quiet and people won't know you're a fool. Why? Because our, our mouth is so connected to our heart and what we believe. Mother Teresa said this, and I think it's important. When we think about giving an account for our words, here's what she said. Words which do not give the light of Christ increase the darkness. Words which do not give the light of Christ increase the darkness. In our home, words that don't give the light of Jesus just provide more darkness. In your workplace, words that don't give the light of Christ just add to the darkness. And so our job as ambassadors is to bring forth the light of Jesus because it's transformed us, because we're a good tree that produces good fruit because the Spirit's just doing it. And so here's how I wanna end this morning. A little less about what not to do, and, and Proverbs also speaks a ton about then what, what do the words of the righteous look like? Like people that have been so radically transformed by Jesus, you'll be able to see them because these are the words that will be coming out of their mouth in private, in public, when people are around, when they're not around, when they're squeezed and things are hard. These are the things that will come out of us as a good tree. And it begins with Psalm 1914. I, I think this is how. I'm gonna give you the how and then and then what are some of the things? And there's a billion of them. I'm just gonna give you a few. Psalm 1914, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable. Some of y'all says pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You, do you want the words of your mouth to be pleasing and acceptable to Jesus? Then the meditation of our heart has to be set on our Savior. Day in and day out, our heart is meditating on the things of God and it will spill out of us. And here are the things that I believe, some of the things that will spill out. The first is praise, regardless of circumstance. Psalm 71, eight, my mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all day long. <laughs> my mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all day long. Impossible unless our heart is meditating on the Lord all day long. Yesterday, your six to 16,000 words, were they glorifying to God? Were they filled with praise all day long? Only the Spirit of God does that in us, if we believe it. The next is truth. Proverbs 12, 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal faithfully are his delight. You and I, our default to protect us is to lie. 
we are gonna have all of us a propensity to be liars. And sometimes it just looks like exaggerating things so people like your story more. Sometimes it means swaying something that you're talking about a situation so people take your side rather than someone else's. Sometimes it's just blatant lying because you're terrified of what someone would think if they knew the truth. And so when the Spirit comes and our identity begins to rest in Jesus, when we meditate on who he says you are, who he says I am, then we can speak truth. The next is trustworthiness. Proverbs eleven thirteen, he who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy conceals a matter. And I, I think that trustworthiness is right up there just in your character and your integrity. Right, that you care enough about other people the way the Lord cared for you, that you are a safe place for someone to come and to tell you something. That your goal is not to get the next thing that you could tell other people about. It reveals whether or not you really understand how God has dealt with you <laughs> to be trustworthy. The next one is wholesome. Ephesians 4, 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. You wanna speak life? Then there, there needs to be this overflow of the goodness of God coming out of us in such a way that the people around us are drawn to Jesus, that it is grace for the moment. That the things we talk about like, Man, yesterday, your, your, your however many words looked like Jesus. They, they sounded like Jesus. They were wholesome and edifying and glorifying. The language that we choose to speak is a representation of our God who has saved us. It shows what we believe in our heart about the Lord. And then lastly, I have two, because I think this is, this is kind of summarizing just this importance, their life-giving. And the power of the tongue is life and death. So what does life-giving speech look like, sound like? Proverbs 10, 11 says, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. So what that means, you guys know these people, like you've met them. Who are those people in your life that when you get around them, they just, they talk about the Lord? And, and not just like in a, okay, yeah, this dude loves the Lord or this lady loves the Lord, okay, that's great. No, you're like, I am drawn to Jesus listening to you talk. Why? Because the mouth of the righteous is living water. It, it stirs us up. What we are speaking about with the people around us, with your coworkers and your friends and your neighbors, there's just something they get around you and they go, I, I, I wanna know more about Jesus. There's something life-giving in how you speak about other people and how you speak to me. And then Proverbs 16, 24, kind of that same idea of life-giving. Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. And there's just something about 
being so radically transformed by Jesus, his kindness, his compassion, his being slow to anger, his abounding and steadfast love, his ability to absorb my sin is so profound in my heart that when I speak, it sounds like Jesus and it is sweet honeycomb to those who are around me and it's healing to their body. Because if you're a good tree, you're going to produce good fruit. And if you're a bad tree, you're going to produce bad fruit. And over time, our, our, our words will reveal who we really are. And so here's some action steps to end. Look, this is a work of the Spirit of God in us. I, told, I started this sermon telling you this is not about talking better. <laughs> this is not about fooling people that you are, know Christian words better and say godly things better. This is about God desiring our heart and that our words are able to show us what is in our heart. And so here's some just spirit of God things that we can pray for as we end. First, pray for awareness. And this is what hit me this week. Now, I wanna be aware of the 16,000 words I spoke last week, or yesterday. Like, God, would you start show? would, would you just like put up, check in my spirit when the things that come out of me begin to reveal in my heart the things that I still don't believe about you? Give me awareness. Next, I'm praying for a bridled tongue. All right, James said, look, if, if you're able to bridle the tongue, you have this pure religion. I, I want my words to count. I want my words to not be wasted because I gotta give an account for them. So I'm praying for a bridled tongue. Next, pray for discernment. And as you speak to people and you give your opinion, pray for discernment because I'm just gonna tell you our natural bend is going to say to be to say something that's not from the Lord. And so we're going, God, we need you to speak through us. Pray for discernment. And then lastly, pray for eyes to see the condition of our heart. Like, where am I really? <laughs> I, I, I do all these things and say all these things, but... Where's my heart? <laughs> because I, I want it to, to love the Lord and it rebels against that. So God, would you show me where it's still doing that, that I can submit that to you, that you can have ownership of those places. And then I believe if we'll do that and we walk in the spirit and our, and our heart and our mind is steadfast meditation on our savior, I believe our words, our mouth, will be that of righteousness, and they will be a fountain of life. They will be sweet honeycomb and health to the body of the people around us. Let's pray. And so God, I'm honestly just kind of overwhelmed looking at all the places you speak into what we say. It is everywhere. And so God, it matters. And I believe it matters because it's, it's revealing of our heart. And God, you so long for our heart so that we would love you and follow you with everything that we have because in that is abundant life. And so God, I pray maybe for the person in this room that maybe just looking over how they, how they speak for the last week or month or years, God, if they don't know you, would you reveal it? You say today is the day of salvation. 
that you've made yourself available through your death, burial, and resurrection. And so would you call those that don't know you into salvation this morning? And then for the rest of us, God, would you just continue to show us what we really believe about things? And God, and somehow this, these truths in your word, that they'd make it a lot further than just our head, but they'd make it into the depths of our heart. And so have your way in us. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.